Good morning, all, and uh, here we are in, uh, well, in La La Land, really. Uh, this is Julian Bray with another of the amazing Disco Motion podcasts. Quite simply, call it Disco Motion because I also have a, a DJ rig that goes and plays to oldies and things like that. But it was already registered on the Spotify and other background uh, blog systems. Now, I have had a very frustrating week, a busy week, a lockdown week. So I'll see if I can actually share a little bit of it with you. I think the best thing of all was that uh, we had a bit of sunshine. And so I got my lovely Saab convertible out. And uh, literally, for my, as I am a key worker, being a journalist, I'm allowed to go out and do things. Uh, thought, right, we'll use the Saab with the lid down and, of course, clear blue skies because there's not an aircraft in the sky. And I'll go and check out what's happening at the local railway station and I'll see if I can make it over to Stansted. Anyway, to cut a long story short, <clears throat> I stopped at Aldi for some essential supplies and uh, good to see there policing the two metres apart. Also, they've now got additional guarding around the cashiers and another piece of clear perspex has arrived and that actually separates the individual checkouts. So there we go. Anyway, filled the car up, jumped in it and thought, well, off this, off, off, I can't say it this morning, offload this at home and start again. Got home flat tire oh no what's happened here so i rang up a trusty friend uh who actually works in a tire center but he was off for the week he came around with a trolley jack yes yeah, sure enough it's flat and tires flat right let's take the tire off there's one of these um uh pirelli spare wheels in the back of the saab of course they haven't made saabs for eight years now you understand and uh, the idea is this is a temporary tyre, so you go off to the garage and get it fixed uh, with your other tyre in the back. So he says, right, where's the key? And I said, what key? The unlocking key for your tyres. All the tyres have got special little keys in. Could we find it? No. So he tightens up the bolts again, puts his trolley jack under it just to take the pressure off the tyre. And uh, we start the great hunt. We're looking all over the car. It's amazing how much rubbish you accumulate in the car. Anyway, strip the whole thing out and then suddenly realise, now hang on a minute, I think I, yes, I must have given it to the garage last time. Perhaps they didn't put it back in. Anyway, rang the garage. They had to look. They couldn't find it. They said, don't worry, we'll pop round. We'll fix it for you. I've got a very good garage, actually, P&L Motors in Whittlesea. And they are brilliant. They'll come out and sort things out for me. Um, I think they take my shine to me or something, but uh, always pay my bills on time. does work. So what happens then is that um, <clears throat> my friend Josh uh, leaves me his trolley jack. So we've got the car jacked up. And uh, Paul from P&L Motors, he's the P of P&L Motors, says uh, we'll either come round tomorrow or the next day. Well, they actually came round yesterday. So uh, that was done. Came with a huge hammer and a, looked like a, a cold chisel. Anyway, gave the security bolt one almighty bang. And suddenly it's off. I thought, that's brilliant. 
but he's still got the face of it. He managed to crack it and said, well, um, we'll take this with you. We put the spare tire on, put the uh, run flat tire on. So when you come round, we'll have that waiting for you. You can just swap it over. So I thought, that's fair enough. But I thought, now hang on a minute. How do you manage to get that off so quickly? But of course, they'll never tell you how they do it. But he did it. And uh, so I'm just waiting for a phone call because obviously they got to order another set of security nuts so we can get all the others off and put the new security bolts on. Because it's not just one tire, you understand. You get one key and then uh, that will fit the four bolts uh, to stop your alloy wheels being ripped off. So we've got to cover that particular bridge when we come for it. And uh, let's see if they fess up to the fact that they've still got my key. Doubt it, so I'll probably end up paying for that. But anyway, the point is, that is doing all right at the moment. So that was the saga of the car. And uh, yes, they found a screw sticking out, and apparently it's just a screw that's gone straight in. So they'll take that out, and it can be repaired. So there we go. But that means that uh, I've got to go through all the nonsense of that. Now, what happens from time to time here, I'm occasionally, I will pop up on various uh, BBC and commercial radio stations and on telly usually, because I'm one of these journalists that works from home. And yesterday I was on the Jeremy Vine show on Radio 2 and it's all over this situation about Virgin going a virgin atlantic this is going cap in hand to the government well rather richard branson saying i will mortgage necker island which is his offshore tax haven retreat and hospitality business um so i can get a commercial loan to save virgin atlantic now i'm not against the, uh, Branson doing this. He hasn't got a great uh, deal of equity in this particular airline, but of course he does get franchise fees for the use of the Virgin name, as he does for Virgin Australia. Now Virgin, Virgin Australia unfortunately has gone bust, gone into administration, and so Deloitte's have been appointed there and they will try and sell on bits of the airline. Uh, the Australian situation is quite serious, so quite simply because uh, it means that Qantas is the only uh, airline in Australia, as ANSET disappeared some while back. And I really feel sorry for the people that actually, well, the, the people that actually work for the subcontractors. And what happens there, of course, the subcontractors. Uh, are paid by the operators and so if the operators aren't working then of course the subcontractors I'm talking about the ground staff baggage handlers and so on and so all that collapses because obviously if you haven't got flights going in and out uh, then of course uh, you don't have a business now to a certain extent that's also happening in Europe because as you realize very few flights are flying the ones that are flying are repatriation flights or emergency supplies flights and we've had uh well it's it's getting it is bad let's put it like that we cannot trust the government numbers they seem to have got themselves into a muddle over this the death toll is obviously much higher uh than you would normally think it is 
and so the point being that uh, as it's as it's high um, you have to go elsewhere to find your statistics and this basically is what uh, the financial times and every other um, self-respecting title and radio station and tv station been doing and so you've got all these experts offering different uh, metrics and lots of research organizations helpfully putting in their 10 cents worth. The result is that the government is working with out-of-date figures. And of course, the figures don't properly include what is happening in care homes. And unfortunately, uh, the care homes are, well, it's dire. Uh, they're not getting the... Uh, protective clothing that they need, not getting the masks, and so on. Now that opens up a whole can of worms, because quite frankly, the care minister, uh, Miss Watley, was on uh, the television this morning and the radio. She was doing the rounds for the government, uh, trying to promote the government line. And the poor dear is either not either she had a very light, late night in last night but frankly she wasn't up to the mark this morning she hadn't done the prep or didn't seem to know uh, what had happened uh, she wasn't able to give the numbers now different uh, media organizations have different ways of doing it nick robinson on bbc on today program is very quiet very gentle but he puts in killer questions and he will get the information out of the minister or whoever it is that way. Go over to uh, Good Morning on, uh, on ITV and you've got Piers Morgan. Now, Piers Morgan is comes from a media background, print media background, was the editor of the Daily Mirror, uh, then went and carved out a career for himself in television and has also gone into light entertainment. Now, Piers does like the sound of his own voice, but also he does what I call old-fashioned journalism, where you don't actually wait for your respondent to deliver a soundbite, and then you say, thank you very much for the interview, so kind of you. He actually goes back with supplementaries. And if he doesn't like the sound of the supplementaries, then he'll go back with more questions. And he'll also interrupt, which is my school of journalism. I like that because there's no way. If a politician is being put up as a spokesman for the government, not just for uh, their party, but for the government, then they should be on top of their brief. They should know the figures. They should have a pile of notes in front of them that's been prepared by their uh, their people. And they must be prepared to answer the questions rather than duck down and say, oh, no, I just rely on the science. So this really is what they're doing at the moment. The politicians are saying we rely on the science. But what we now hear is that the science is being presented to the politicians, but they're being selective about bits, about the bits of the science they're going to rely on. So if they don't like what they're hearing, they will just say, well, we, we don't need that part. So they're trying to shape the media story in a way that makes them look good and shows that they're working day and night and 28 hours a day and 15 days a week 
and all that sort of stuff. And there's been no real challenge to anything that they're doing. Uh, we see these daily uh, number 10 press conferences. And frankly, uh, it's the same old stuff coming out every day, the same old statistics, the same old charts, just the numbers are different. Now, what is happening, of course, is that uh, it doesn't really work because they are being count they're being caught out because people can now everybody has a phone everybody has access to recordings and every tv and radio station has a library and you can actually go back and you can pick out a, a sound bite and say we well, didn't say this then uh ah oh, with hindsight you're saying something different and the big problem at the moment of course is these tests the testing of people uh, we're very lax about testing and the problem is that uh, we've been allowing lots of people in, lots of people out, uh, and very little restriction. Um, we've been relying on people's um, goodwill, if you like, to actually report themselves for testing. That is, if they're eligible or uh, if uh, you're running a temperature or you've got a dry throat, then self-isolate. Uh, the authorities don't get involved. Elsewhere, of course, they do get involved and they hit you with all sorts of fines. So there is a problem there. I recognise that. And uh, what we have to do is say to ourselves, well, where do we go from here? What is the future going to be like? Because um, me, well, I'm, I'm in sort of my, my later part of my life, but I'm worrying about uh, young families that are coming up and they rely on a breadwinner and really you just cannot furlough people forever. I've heard from somebody this morning, uh, in fact it's a neighbour, who says that uh, he's just heard from his boss that his job's okay for another two months. Now he's on 80% 80, 80 furlough and the company is topping up his salary. But they're saying unless this uh, situation resolves itself, then they're going to have to start thinking about laying off people. Um, because there's only so much money in the war chest, if you like, um, because they were going to go on the acquisition trail, and that is what is being eaten up, or the bank facility will run out. So nobody wants that to happen. But we are now hearing from other parts of government they're saying, well, we might have a problem here, chaps, because uh, we're not certain whether the summer holidays, uh, whether whether you can actually book a holiday now, whether you'll be able to get out of the UK, because at the moment nobody's allowed out of the UK, or um, because the uh, advice which is in the FCO website, or the FO website, uh, you have a look at it, uh, advisory to travellers, is that we're not to travel anywhere. So we're just to stay at home, and keep isolated, and that way we save the NHS. Never really understood that part about saving the NHS. The NHS is a nationalised industry. It's there. It's the people that are running themselves ragged inside the NHS because lazy politicians cannot be bothered to ensure that we have the pick of the PPE equipment, the personal protection equipment that they need this is a very, very insidious virus because quite simply it's wrapped in a layer of fat 
and therefore it can be projected uh, like an aerosol and it can lodge in your throat and and or it can go in through your eye socket would you believe and uh, so you put your hand down on say a stair rail uh, and then for some reason you or you might have a sandwich you know so your hands infected then you touch the sandwich and you eat the sandwich then that goes into your mouth or uh, you've there's a lot of hay fever around at the moment isn't there so so you scratch your eye the corner of your eye with your finger and that means that uh, the virus will then interact with the uh, fluids around your eye and it can enter that way and get into your system and as of yet there is no way of curing this uh, or at least alleviating it they can put you on a ventilator which is to help you breathe because your whole lung system closes down so literally it's forcing uh, oxygen at pressure into your body uh, to to keep you alive and that is really all they can do and make you comfortable and uh, and swab you down with um, uh, ice cold towels and things but really it is as bad as that so we don't know where we're going on that anyway i was telling you i was rung up by the jeremy vine program on radio Two, and quite often uh, i do pieces for them mainly on on aviation and i had to stop there because the phone has gone if you think you need medical help please contact your GP either online or by phone to be assessed. If you need urgent medical advice, use NHS 111 online, or if you can't get online, call 111. And of course, if it's serious or life-threatening, call 999. If you are told to go to hospital, the place you need to be is in hospital. The NHS is there for you and can provide the very best care if you need it. The second point, I thought I'd just add that bit. Today, of course, is the first day that uh, Parliament is back, and that was uh, Matt Hancock standing up uh, in a very sort of strange House of Commons where most of the seats being marked, um, no sitting, and the occasional seat that you can sit in has a little tick behind it. And uh, so they're distancing themselves. They can't have more than 50 MPs actually in the house now and the rest are all sitting behind um, computer screens uh, using apps like Zoom in order to get their voice heard and uh, Hancock hasn't really done that well. Um, I really don't like his style of delivery. Uh, it seems to be backslapping all the time. He says he's working day and night uh, but quite frankly he has made a right Horlicks of this whole scenario. Um, he's saying there's over 3,000 spare critical care beds in the NHS. Yes, that's only because they've been offloading the people that should have had operations and everything else. It's not a virtue they've got these beds spare. And he's not uh, talking about the Nightingale hospitals. But the point was that uh, if suddenly the figures ballooned, as they could well do with this virus, nobody knows how it's going to go, they would actually have enough ventilators and beds available. But what he hasn't said, of course, is that um, if, a, if an NHS trust uh, says we would like to put this particular patient into the Nightingale, they also have to provide the staff 
the staff aren't provided by the Nightingale. There are some military doctors there, and there's, there's kind of, uh, I hate to use the word, but skeleton staff there. And really, what they're doing is they're saying, well, it's all here, but, uh, you know, if you want to use it, you've got to use your own staffing resources. And then, of course, we get to the, uh, uh, the sort of moot point about uh, PPE equipment and so on and so forth. Uh, there is no seamless overlap anywhere. And you've got the scenario where uh, you've got members of the public and you've got pop stars. And the latest one is Denise Van Outen, bless her, uh, down in Chelmsford. She found out the local hospital near her hadn't got the scrubs and the PPE equipment required. So uh, she's busily chopping up material. It has to be a special material, uh, which is approved by the NHS. And um, she's sending this off to a machinist, and the hubby's doing that. And the machinist makes them up, and they're delivering them directly to the hospitals. Now, frankly, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I've also heard about, well, unseen firms not able to do their regular work because of lockdown and basically some of their business fallen off. But they've got the technology and the equipment there to cut out face masks, manufacture the frames for the face masks. And there's one gentleman on television this morning who says his firm spent £350,000 retooling uh, for these face masks, and they've been making hundreds of thousands of them and sending them out. Uh, but what has happened, of course, is that uh, when it comes to the NHS, uh, there is one central buying organisation and unless your name is on the list, it's a bit like the nightclub. If your name's not on the list, you're not coming in. So the point is his name or his firm's name's not on the list. They're not allowing him in for the big contracts. It really does seem so they're favouring. Uh, there's a little bit of favouritism going on. Uh, they're tried and trusted. Uh, big suppliers all seem to be in without too much problem. But anybody new... Uh, who's bright and innovative, uh, is being denied access. So what is this particular firm doing? Well, they've sold their entire output under contract to Ireland. We're also getting reports of other wholesalers who have contracts with various towns in Europe. And so the PPE equipment that's already here might have come in from China, might have come in from Korea, might have come in from anywhere. But it's being warehoused here, being repackaged, and it's being sent back out again. So the problem there, of course, is that uh, we are busily sending RAF planes over to, uh, over to, where is it, uh, China, uh, to actually source this stuff. Three flights. Of course, it's not one flight, it's several flights the RAF have had to make. And of course, they sent the plane, or the plane rather was ready at Breeze Norton to go over. Then we hear that uh, the stuff that's already been ordered, um, this again is Hancock saying that he's ordered it. Uh, we now hear that it wasn't actually ordered until Sunday. So the RAF were already waiting there to bring consignment back, but the British government allegedly hasn't ordered it yet. So the order went through Sunday. There was some delay while they, the various uh, bits of paperwork and approvals were 
uh, down and also the plane was given permission to fly through several closed air spaces and then finally the plane went off and then there's been more flights since to bring this stuff back in. However, this entire shipment of three aircraft loads will only last about three days. So you see that the scale of the problem is such that they really need to access uh, these masks and things, gowns in bulk. Other people are saying, well, why don't you put the army in charge of logistics because they are um, adept at putting these systems in in the time of war. Well, the problem there, of course, in the time of war, you can really cut through all the red tape and you can call on the resources. But the point is they don't have the resources at the moment. And that is the big problem uh, because half the people are in self-isolation. Uh, the other half are, are ill, if you like, because that is the nature of this particular virus. So looking back on what's been happening so far, it's been a very scrappy week, and this is quite a scrappy podcast in effect, because the point is it's not going smoothly for anybody, and uh, the little local niggles don't help. The one thing that can be said is that uh, I can see the travel industry changing out of all recognition, uh, especially for business travel, because now big companies and small companies will say, well, we don't need to go to travel many thousands of miles to attend these conferences and these meetings when it can actually be done using the likes of Skype, Zoom and any other app that comes along. So we're all quite proficient at it now. We're all beginning to understand the angles. And of course, on television, all getting used to the idea that it needn't be perfect studio lighting, perfect studio quality. But for some of us, we've been working from home for years. But the point is the world is now catching up. But it also means that our children will be very computer savvy. So, But that is the way it is. Um, so things are changing. Hopefully that's a plus point. And it's, it's quite amazing that our cats, we have a few cats here, and they've all decided to uh, um, patrol us or rather regiment us. It's an old saying that uh, dogs have masters, cats have servants. And that's certainly true in this house. We have one cat that refuses to use a cat flap, just sits by it and bangs it with its paw until somebody opens the door for it. Still, that's the way it goes. And Anyway, until next time, enjoy your time uh, under wraps, under lock, whatever it is. And let's hope that you'll keep yourselves safe, keep well distanced, use your mask wherever possible. And let's hope you'll come out the other end.